everybody. This is Artist Spotlight. Today we have Rashad Richardson of Madden Flow Entertainment. He's going to talk to us about music licensing and syncing. How you doing, Rashad? Hey, how you doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Um, thanks for being a guest with us, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. No problem. Let's get into some questions for you, bro. Um, well, let's start off with the basics, man. Where are you from and um, what got you started in pursuing a, music, a career in music? Yes, sir. So I'm from Richmond, Virginia. That's uh, down south, and mm. in naturally down south, you got a lot of churches, a lot of black churches, and uh, yeah, I just I just grew up, you know, with my grandma being a pastor, and I was one of those kids where, you know, initially I was kind of kind of twiddling my fingers in church, but but I was always eyeing the music team, the music, mm -hmm. the music section, looking at how much fun they always laughing, always energetic. Right. So naturally, I just, I picked up whatever instrument I could just to get in where I could fit in, and um. Ultimately, that that led me to uh, to going to a magnet school. So you know, a school that was centered around arts. Like think like the Tupac High School, where you know everybody there arts, literature, yep. kind of thing. I went to a school similar to that. From there, that led me to Berkeley College of Music, and Berkeley College of Music is where I started studying music business, and that's where I just decided to go full force with, you know, from anything from music business to actually playing an instrument and to producing music as well so what kind of what kind of got gave you the decision to kind of because you're like licensing it and placements you're more on the on the business side of it now like what kind of made you want to go into that direction versus all all creative right all right so specifically licensing uh i wanted to go gung-ho in that when i did my first internship at a music publishing company Okay. There was a music publishing company in New York. Well, actually, they got they started in Germany, and they are they got multiple spots in the U.S. It's called BMG Chrysalis. Yeah. It's in fact, now I think it's just BMG. Mm -hmm. But um, but pretty much there, I interned in the A and R department, and within the A and R department, there was a TV film sync department. Uh -huh. So, yeah, with that sync department, I started to see some of the some of the dope stuff kind of behind the scenes of of just like how different songs end up on different TV shows, different commercials. And also by being a publishing, they do a job of, you know, getting different songs into different, like the next Beyonce album or the next Akon album. Mm -hmm. Like they try to work their artist songs into those, into those records. So, so just seeing that and seeing how, you know, you can be at a company that advocates to, to plug your artist in I always knew I wanted to kind of be on that boat because now, boom, now you're not only helping an artist make money, but essentially you're becoming that artist, that artist friend as well. Because they, they, you know, like when they, when they see your name, they're going to have good feelings. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Yeah. Got you. So let's break, let's break down sync and licensing as it relates to music and songs um, as far as film and television. How it works, at least, at least the flow that we have basically you have an incoming brief that comes in where typically a music supervisor on a show or on a, or on a film that's in the works. And um, say they want, say they want a Lil Wayne song, mm -hmm. like say they want a Millie, for instance, mm -hmm. a Millie is a great song, but with that being said, it's going to be an expensive song because a, you got, you're using samples in there. Right. Um, you have a super producer, Bangladesh. You have a iconic rapper. So all that's going to equal, unless this is a big budget TV show or a big budget commercial, 
you're not going to be able to pull that. So that's when you come to an agency like Madden Flow mm-hmm. and, and you say, hey, I want a, I want a song that, that, you know, emits that same feeling. I want aggressive rap, witty rap. I want the beat to bang. It has to be happy 808s. But I only have two thousand dollars. <laughs> right. So, right. So, and you know, you ain't getting a milli for two thousand dollars. And uh, so that's where we kind of come in. We search through our catalog. We we already have you know agreements set up with our producers that are signed with us, um, and just rights holders in general. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you know, in their catalog, we're bound to have some other songs that aren't a milli, but they might emit that same feeling that the executive wants for that scene. Because at the end of the day, you have your music supervisor who's like the initial gatekeeper who checks off on on saying like, yeah, uh, this song will be great and we can afford it, let's go forward. But they don't even have the final stamp usually. Like they still, it's still the executive producer that, that listens to the overall thing and is like, mm. hmm, okay, this is uh, it. From a creative you standpoint know? or a songwriter standpoint, like uh, what is the, what is the, potential for income or can you something that you can actually make a living off of can you break down like how they're paid how often things like that sure so uh i want to say the biggest surprise when i talk to my songwriters and my producers is they think typically after you get a sync placement you're getting a check the next week the next day sync money is slow it, it, it could potentially be big, but it's slow, especially to give you a scale. The smaller the project, the quicker you get paid. So if it's if it's someone who is doing maybe an independent film, you can get paid almost maybe next week. But now we're talking to the point where you're working on an ABC show, CB show, CB, um, CBS show, NBC Universal, that kind of thing. Man, it... Even after it airs, it could take up to ninety days to get your payment. So say they they sent your song. Yeah. yeah, it's not, but you got to keep in mind that most post production happens maybe maybe about six months, six seven months before before they um actually air. So so therefore, they've already told you like, hey, we're using your song. We're gonna pay you six thousand or ten thousand, something like that. Now, now you're waiting months for months for it to happen, mm-hmm. and now it's air, and you're still you still may wait about three months to to actually see that check come through. So, okay. so I, you definitely might have some people who who feel like that's a bit slow, yeah, and it moves slow. But um, so that's that's the timeline of it. As far as like the range of what you can typically get paid mm-hmm. and how frequently you get paid, let's start with uh, the range. I've seen independent films, man, I've seen people offer as low as like one hundred to two hundred dollars. Okay. And it's it's to to me as, as someone who is a creator and advocates on creators, it's it's not something I, I really entertain much unless unless I see potential because the same way you have musicians who are working from the ground up, you have filmmakers who are working from the ground up with minimal budgets. Right. So I try to keep in mind um as far as the high end of things you can easily land a song in a super bowl ad and now we're talking upwards of 50k just mm-hmm. for the upfront and i feel like one thing that i need to just establish too is mm-hmm. uh when you get sync placement mm-hmm. you get paid in two forms you get paid in your upfront sync licensing fee i was going to ask you- this yeah go ahead 
Yeah, and then you get paid in your sync royalties on the back end through right. your PR. So, you know, that's BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, if you're in the States. Um, so, yeah, that being said, I, us personally and what I've seen in my career uh, thus far, I, the lowest I've seen a sync placement offered is 100, which uh, even that... I, I advocated to at least get it to 200 yeah. or, or and we couldn't work. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the highest I've seen is around 50 K that I've actually hands on gotcha. worked on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so, so we talked about, uh, the timeline of getting paid, uh, how much you, how long you might have to wait to get your check after a placement. Yeah. Another thing we should talk about is how frequent, the opportunities come by. Let's talk and about that, that. Yes. And that solely depends on your connections as an artist and also who do you have like representing your catalog? Like do you do you have a well connected sync agency repping your catalog or are you signed to a powerhouse publisher? Mm-hmm. Because if you're signed to someone like a Universal Music Publishing Group, a BMG, a Sony ATV, Oh my goodness! They it, the amount feed, of briefs they feeding you stuff, right? Right. It's like the amount of briefs that they get for day per day is is ridiculous. But there is give and take though, because you have you know smaller sync agencies, independent sync agencies, who they might get less briefs, but they're more hands on with their artists. Mm-hmm. They're more so keeping their artists privy as to like, hey, this show on ABC. They're working on a new series. I, I already listened to your music. I know you could be perfect for this. Right. And hey, you might not even have a song for this right now, but can you cook something up in five yeah. days? Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna get you are not gonna get that at a big like a, somewhere like a universal music publishing, somewhere like a just a powerhouse publishing. Yeah. Therefore, so the best way to describe it is maybe what smaller sync agencies do is liquid. Mm-hmm. Bigger agencies are more solid. It's more so like, hey, do we already have this? Does this already exist in our catalog? Okay, we're sending that off. And if it doesn't exist, or better yet, this is only a thousand dollars. Oh, that's that's chump change. That's chump change. We like smaller sync agencies. We're more so like, hey, I know this is a thousand dollars, and and I've seen bigger, but it's a good what, what, you want it? You want it because it's going to be the good look. Yeah. So, so you got that kind of situation where that's the give and take. But yeah, to answer your question altogether, it, you could have an unlimited amount of sync briefs per day. It just depends on your connections and who you know, what's coming across the desk of the people you know, and what's coming across your desk personally. But um, just from experience of working at a bigger music publishing company in a sync licensing versus working at a smaller place it is going to vary. And, and I've seen upwards of 15 sync briefs per day, uh, at, at a larger sync agency. Is that 15? Yes. 15 per day, which that's, that's a lot of potential money. And, 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 and the briefs I assume means an opportunity from a show or whatever. Coming yes. Okay. And um, just, uh, just to recap, a brief is more so like, Hey, this is the same. I'll go back to the Little Wayne example. That that was what, what a brief is called, where, gotcha. where hey, we have two thousand dollars, we need a song that emits the the vibe of uh, an Emily track. What are you doing every day? 
or what kind of tools are you using? Are you on the internet every day? Are you on Facebook? Yes. Uh, so at this point, I purely, uh, as, as far as the, the briefs that come across my desk, they're, they're purely from just my past jobs throughout my career and building personal relationships with people who are now music supervisors. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe this music supervisor has recommended our services to a friend of theirs who's a music supervisor. So, um, so yeah, once we get that, we're pretty much combing through our personal artist catalog, we we try to take care of the artists that are signed to us first. Because as as you know, it might look crazy if we get a brief and and land a pitch for this song that's for from this artist that's outside of our catalog. When we had someone right here who signed to us who had the capability of of getting that sync placement. Mm -hmm. So we definitely the the number one thing we do is uh, communicate with our artists first, which which uh, that is definitely a, a larger portion of the day because we're all humans. We're all we all like have other stuff, and in this day and age, almost everybody has at least two to three hustles. Mm -hmm. So you know, that that one artist who we have who might be great for this might already be in a songwriting session for another project that's happening. Anything in our next resource is going to my alumni network. I went to Berkeley College of Music. And there are some monsters there. It's it's uh, just a lot of ridiculously talented people who can play an instrument live, who've already been on tour with uh, whoever you can think of, right. who also have matched their production skills up to the point where they can produce just as high as a level as they can be proficient on their instrument. Mm. So it's a, it's a nasty combination where where you know if if in my personal pool of our artist producers, uh, they aren't able to come through. Then yeah, Berkeley Networks the next the next spot. And between those two, I'm 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 usually good to go. And I, I should also mention there's a um there's a course called Catch the Moon Music that literally is like a boot camp for for artists and songwriters who want to make their music more sync friendly. And um, they've it's had a, me. It's a course like a that's a course for that you said. It's an online course, and when I when I say the people come out of there are nasty, they're they're good. So that's that's my third resource is um is uh, I have pretty much a partnership where whenever they have like sync panels or whenever they want to do online courses, they hit me up, mm -hmm. and it goes vice versa. When I have briefs that that I feel like man, somebody from Catch the Moon could probably kill this, then I I reach out to to that network as well. Nice. That's so, nice. Cool. So yeah, those are those are all my pretty much those are all my arsenal tools. Yeah. Okay. Ironically enough, even though I went to Berkeley, which is a music school for four years, mm -hmm. my first four years of my career for my day job at Universal required no creativity, required no ear for listening. And um and it was stressful. It was it was stressful because uh when you work at a big company it's often compartmentalized like it's it's hard to work in a royalty department which i did and and transition to a creative a and r position and transition to a creative sync position they it, everything's kind of separated and yeah you can walk over there and chop it up mm -hmm. but um it's it's hard to break into so from the beginning all the way to the end my end goal was always hey get to a position where I could pitch music, get to the creative sync department. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, during that time there, interview, 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 and these were all internal interviews. For some reason or another, it, it never worked out. And, and it was the biggest test for me because I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. You're like, y'all know I come to work every day. Y'all, y'all know I went to a school that, that trained my ear. Mm -hmm. What's the deal? So from there, it's just about empowering yourself and, and realizing like, okay, you keep asking one person to, to do something and they keep kind of brushing you off. What's the, what's the next thing? And in this case, not one person, this is just an entire system. Mm -hmm. But, uh, the way I overcame that is a, and this is one of the most valuable things that I could tell your listeners do mm -hmm. informational interviews with the people that work your dream jobs. And I, I can explain informational interviews for any of your listeners who informational might informational interviews. Okay. I like that. Go ahead. Interviews. And all that is, is you hopping for for me it was music supervisors because that that was my dream job and mm -hmm. and maybe at some point it might still happen but mm -hmm. but it was it was like hit up I, I literally hit up the music supervisor that did the show Atlanta that currently does Euphoria mm -hmm. uh, the same person mm -hmm. I, I hit her up and um and just basically asked her hey can I do an informational interview kind of understand how you got your foot in the door. And your journey from there until the point where at this time she was doing it Atlanta. So now it's her career is even went crazier. But I took this approach with her and other select people who worked the dream jobs I wanted. And you would honestly be surprised at how many people said, hey, sure, I'm down to meet for coffee. Or, hey, I can't meet for coffee, but I, I got 10 to 15 minutes to hop on the phone. Mm -hmm. And it's you take those informational interviews and come with the right questions, you'd be surprised at what might happen. Wow. Even, if, even if they don't offer you a job, they might point you in the direction of you should do this next. Mm -hmm. Or, or hey, I have another friend who you should also speak to. And pretty much that, that first informational interview led me to a course at UCLA. It's a uh, it's an extension course, an evening course for music supervision. Really? And um, huh. yes. And and I ended up there. It was a music supervisor teaching the course who just did the Wu Tang documentary. Um. Oh, he did Silicon Valley. If, if you're familiar yeah, with yeah, that show. Uh -huh. And um. So yeah, I just do you know tried to kill it as much as possible How in the class. How long did that last? How long did that last? This this is about a three month course. Uh, oh, okay. October October to December. Okay. I know yeah, how cool. music supervision works. I leveraged that with still, um, you know, the the title I had, and then I was able to do outside interviews. And once I started doing outside interviews and letting people know, like, hey, yes, I might not have that hands on experience, but I'm hungry enough to go out and take this class. I'm hungry enough to learn how to do this and learn how to do that works. And I still know the nuts and bolts, even though I don't know the creative, I know the nuts and bolts. Mm -hmm. And so that's pretty much uh, what led me to my first music pitching gig at, at another big music publisher. And, uh, and from there, the, the ball just uh, kept rolling. But, but that's for sure the biggest uh, obstacle I've had career-wise is just going from straight data, straight royalties, even TV film clearance, like... Believe it or not, even 
if you have a job that's clearing music for TV and television, it's still hard to make that jump to getting paid to pitch for music. It's it's almost like a wow. a line. Well, my my so, first yeah. ever sync happened within I think the first couple months of of working uh, my first creative sync job. So that was that was with a Hallmark film uh, called A Summer Romance. Okay, I got that. So so always that first one. And the funniest first thing about it is it was a country song. They asked for a country song. And they were like, hey, you know, we need a country song that would be played at a barbecue, fun vibes. And man, that's the last genre I <laughs> listened to of right. all time. But even still, thanks to, once again, knowing the nuts and bolts, knowing that, hey, major chords equals fun. Hey, a, a tempo of, you know, 80 or above equals fun. Yep. Like, yep. adding all that stuff together, even though I don't really listen to country like that, I know that's a vibe. And um, I would say one of my most recent sync placements, it hasn't aired quite yet, so I can't mm -hmm. disclose the song, mm -hmm. but it's uh, for ABC for Life episode six. That'll be coming soon. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited to congrats, see. Congrats, man. Congrats. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm excited mm -hmm. to see this, you know, show that I'm actively watching now to see that, you know, I can sit with my lady and I know my family's going to be in Virginia looking and, and, um, and yeah, I'm just excited to see a song from an artist that signed to me literally December of last year wow. have a replacement within this show that we're all a fan of anyway. Nice. Might be on either side, right? So they might be someone who wants to become the next Rashad, or they might want to become the next person who's scoring for Atlanta, right? Who's actually doing the music. So in each of those situations, um, is being classically trained or going of that level of playing and that you can, you know, of musical prowess, is it necessary? Yes, I would say that it's important mm -hmm. to know an instrument through and through. Mm -hmm. If you can know at least some level of music theory, mm -hmm. that's going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I, I would just say it's always going to give you a leg up on the next person that's interviewing for the job you want. Mm -hmm. If it's a music job if you actually have some level of thoroughness to the to the art of music and not only that you're not just one dimensional in the sense of you only do jazz music you only do classical music you only like hip-hop it's it, we live in a world where hey you you have to be multi-dimensional in what you do mm -hmm. because the next person is mm -hmm. so so it's it's very important, and um, and yeah, if you want if you want that leg up, please learn an instrument through and through. You don't gotta you don't gotta pay over six figures in to be in college debt to do it. Right. Um, but but at the same time, between the era, the informational age, where you can go to YouTube and learn an instrument, you can uh, go to maybe I think I think full cell is a little bit friendlier mm -hmm. as far as like goes mm -hmm. like you can definitely go that route and all it's going to do is give you all the tools you need to to get to where you need to get to it's worth it's worth investing in yourself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um when you're trying to because you mentioned there's some uh, some uh, uh writers and, and such that you've signed versus ones you work with outside of your company of madden um the ones that you sign what are you looking for? Like, what's the decision process when you you guys say you want to sign someone? Um, are you looking at their portfolio? Are you looking at that the diversity of their work or their work ethic or just they got that, that, that one hot <laughs> kind of sound? What what is it? So, mm -hmm. uh, so for us, 
it's it's a few things, and you definitely name most of them. Mm-hmm. Work ethic is one. We want someone who has a dope work ethic, who's willing to work now, but also by the time they have come to us, their catalog is somewhat deep. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that we've signed someone who only has a couple hot songs or just released one project. Now we want someone who's been doing it for a minute, who's seasoned, and also someone who just has, who is either multi-talented or has that right combination of a team around them mm. to where, where mm. we can hit them up and they can get us what we need to send off within within a few hours or about within that same day. Like we we just want everything to be streamlined, fast and efficient. Right. So if you're a hit the ground, if you're a hit the ground running artist or you and your team are a hit the ground running team, like we and oh my goodness, if you can follow instructions, that's that's great. Because it's oftentimes, you know, by us working for working with programs who are on national tv right we can't songs that don't have clean lyrics and i can't tell you how many times we still get songs that are explicit and and Mm. then okay so and even so that's cool but if we come back to you and say hey they they're interested in the song they want to start using it for a spotting session to see if it works but they need the clean version if you can't get that if you can't get that back to us quick after we've already let you know we need clean versions then it's it's like a hiccup in our operation. Right. It's it's at when it's making us as a brand look like we're not efficient. So Got it. so yeah, we definitely look for who who can follow instructions, who's thorough, and I'm about to say the biggest thing of all, who has someone on their team that can mix because we need fully crisp mixed tracks when mm-hmm. we send off. Mm-hmm. We can't send off stuff that. It, it sounds fuzzy. If you play it on your <laughs> laptop speakers and then and then you play it in, in your car, it's it's off. It doesn't it doesn't sound the same across different forms of uh, what's the word devices. Right. If it sounds like it's gotta be consistent across all, all mediums, so, right? Exactly. You mm-hmm. got to mix it to where when you play it off your phone speakers and you play it in headphones, it still slaps. And um, that's that's very important. And I hope your you know your producers who are listening mm-hmm. to this, mm-hmm. your songwriters who listen to this. I hope if they take anything from from that, they need to know that just as good as you sing, just as good as you actually make a drum pattern, you gotta be able to mix that good or have someone on your team to mix that good. Which is what a producer is anyway. It's the person who okay. delivers the final product. So yeah, that makes sense. Do you actually sign songwriters? Someone who doesn't really do the, the background, maybe they just write really crazy songs. Do you do that as well, or does it? Or are you only taking finished masters or pieces of work? We prefer to just take finished pieces of work. Okay. So, so that that being said, because uh, uh, we primarily the opportunities that we have come from TV shows, mm-hmm. more more than the advertising, more than the video games, more than the films. We mm-hmm. aim for everything, mm-hmm. but at the end of we're mostly getting TV show spots. Mm-hmm. And with those, it's very rare that they say, hey, we just want a hot beat. It's, right. it's always like, hey, we need a song, and the lyrical theme needs to be X, Y, and Z. The lyrical theme needs to be saying goodbye. So it's it's situations where where we need full songs. And we, we sign producers, songwriters, and full-on artists. The thing is, is what we ask of them. And when we're asking to these full songs... 
that producer might only own 30% of the song right. or 50% of the song. Yeah, I was getting that. Song, they might own a piece of the song, but that's totally fine. In that kind of situation, okay, we'll rep that song for this opportunity, but remember, this opportunity is for $2,000, so I need you to make sure that everyone else involved is okay with that rate because we got to, even though I'm rapping your side, we got to clear it for like everyone involved on that track. Mm-hmm. Everyone involved has to be aware of like, oh, okay, Madden Flow is pitching my song for this TV scene on episode mm-hmm. this, this. And um, and yeah, so it's, it's not, I, I want to say maybe the trickiest thing might be is that, okay, now there are four other people on the track mm-hmm. and these other people managers or the other people on the track might be signed to a bigger publishing company. Oh. That's where it gets kind of tricky in the sense of, okay, this is a lower budget track. We have to make sure that that publisher checks off on letting their artists let that song go for that rate. And also, Madden Flow gets a commission off of the upfront fee. So we have to make sure that not only are they okay with that, but they're okay with the amount of commission that we're taking. I can't even fathom how many actual briefs are possibly floating in the air right now. (laughs) I I can't fathom because it's kind of like you said, back in the day, you had, what, 60 channels on TV, correct? If total, if that. Now you have about 10 to 20 streaming services. No, you have about maybe five to 10 streaming services. Services, Because you got Amazon, Quibi that's coming out. Uh, You... It's just streaming services. And then each streaming service has, what, maybe 20 to 50 shows that they're probably working on? Oh, yeah. And so you have that, and then you still have your networks. You still have networks with more than triple the channels they used to have. Right. So being said, there's always going to be briefs. There's always going to be opportunities to get music into a scene. It just, it falls down to who's on your team and what relationships they have with these networks. And, and that's, that's, it just, it definitely boils down to relationships. As long as, as long as you have someone on your team who's in well with the decision makers of what music goes where, then your music's always going to be getting tossed up for an opportunity. I went from working a job that I felt indifferent about, but was grateful for, mm-hmm. to literally pitching music for from my favorite super producer, pitching mm. his music for different mm. TV stuff, and all that's because I took advice from the greats that worked the job that I wanted as a dream job at that time. I feel like your viewers, like if they if they really take that advice and really say, "Huh, I'm gonna test, I'm gonna test that theory, I'm gonna test them out." They they not gonna be mad, and then try to actually figure out what what's going on in my city, what panels are happening, what yeah. what informative stuff is happening. Pull up, and then from there, figure out who's working your dream job. And once you figure that out, if you can't sit down with them, try to at least get an email conversation going with them that leads to a phone call. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. Give us one little piece of advice for the listeners, whether they're songwriters, they want to work for a label, and in a business in any kind of way. Give me a piece of advice that you would say to kind of take with them. Don't stay at home. Right. And what I mean 
about that is as long as you're young and you have the energy, be out and be social. Be at, be at not necessarily a club per se, but maybe wherever there's live music, hang there. Hang, I think Cam Newton has a spot actually in Atlanta where there's like live music on like a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but be there. Mix and mingle with the musicians. And don't necessarily go into conversations on an opportunistic kind of kind of vibe because people realize you're only talking to them because you want something. But more so, just have a conversation that admits that you're cool. Have a conversation that admits your personality. And from there, just make hey, make people laugh and make them eventually say, yo, what does this dude do? Like, or what does she do? <laughs> right. Like, 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 having fun with you, but like, yo, what do you do? Right. And then from there, that's your end. If, as long as you are dope or getting dope at what you do, hey, yeah, I make beats. Oh, hey, I sing. Mm-hmm. And if they already enjoy your company just as a human being, right. then naturally, if let's go back to the studio. So, I mean, let's go back to the live music. Say you're at Cam Newton's venue or whatever. And then you're talking to the musician. Nine times out of ten, the musician's gonna be like, "Yo, well, we was planning on going to the studio right after this. Mm-hmm. You like come through, or or hey, like I'm working on a session. How about I send you this session? Lay down your vocals. Lay down, lay down the drum pattern. Send it back to me. You you're gonna get an opportunity. But guess what? None of it's gonna happen if you're chilling and watching Netflix right now. And then yeah, just from there. Just admit your the you know the positivity. Let your light kind of shine, and 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 just attract people to your personality. I love it. Excellent advice, man. So good luck to yes, you, sir. brother. We will talk to you soon, man. And thanks a lot, man. Sounds good. I appreciate you, bro. Okay, have a good one.